This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, Doug Ford walks it back. This is something he does really well. I know, I know you don't want to hear that if you're one of his critics, but if you are not a critic of his, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not everything, not everything gets walked back. But to stand in front of the microphone, deliver an apology, note how very sorry he is, and then say it's almost like we put our heads together. He's in Niagara Falls yesterday and he cancels, like with a capital C, this massive green belt land swap. Now, the drum beats had been getting pretty loud. This, there's no doubt this was a universal scandal. I've tried to point out sort of sentences I disagree with along the way. It's not, it doesn't characterize anybody's other opinion as the wrong opinion. I just happen to have a different one. I, I knew it would get bigger. I still feel it would get bigger, but I also didn't think him walking this back was inevitable. I'm surprised. I'm surprised because I think he thought he could carry the day and walk this through. And I will make the point with Marit Stiles when we talk to her that a lot of oxygen has gone to this and it hasn't gone to other things. Our health care is on fire in this province. It's not great. Although I had a good health care experience yesterday, I'll tell you about before the end of the half hour. Um, but it is not one of those situations where we've got time to just focus and and hang in on one thing, green belt, green belt, green belt. I don't have time for it. I don't think you have time for it. And whether it's health care, whether it's education, whether it's uh, housing, housing on its own is its own issue. And the green belt was just sort of this, this you know, foot line on a balance sheet to talk about. Doug Ford said this yesterday in Niagara Falls about walking the deal back and letting people know what he would do and not do in the future. I'll be reversing the changes we made and won't make any changes to the green belt in the future. Because even if you do something for the right reasons, with the best of intentions, it can still be wrong. Again. Don't have a clue how this lands with the people. I know how it lands with me. I know how it lands with the neighbor I talked to at the what's it, super mailbox yesterday. But we got a long way out from the next election. And again, things only go one way. They never stay static. So there is either going to be more revealed about this or less revealed about this. I'll let you figure out which is which. Let's bring on uh, the official opposition leader for Ontario and the leader of the Ontario New Democrats, she is Mart Styles. I don't think we've ever talked this early, but I bet you didn't sleep much <laughs> last night. This is an important topic. And what was your yeah. w- what's your thought now? Because when you're in the moment yesterday, it must have surprised you at three o'clock. This happened. It it absolutely did. I, I won't lie. And uh, and I will say that last night, I think a few glasses were raised <laughs> in the NDP caucus. We were uh, we were certainly celebrating. But you know, I, as I said yesterday, it's. It's a victory for all Ontarians. I really believe that. It was always my number one aim just to get that land back into the into the green belt. Um, because I I really and I, I think the evidence is 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 coming out that, you know, suggests this is for sure true that the government uh, and Mr. Ford really this was never really about housing. It was it was only ever to benefit a very few conservative insiders. And I think the expense that we all would have paid in terms of the loss of that farmland and the 
the really important ecosystems, well, it's just too much. So I'm I'm happy it happened, but I, I agree with you. I, I unfortunately, maybe for Mr. Ford, I think it may be uh, just the beginning of the information that will continue to come out. If these houses, if the Greenbelt, if we were going to build multiplexes and triplexes and we were going to build density on the Greenbelt, do you think less people that spoke to you, spoke to your members would have had an issue? Because I think the struggle there, Marit, was these were going to be massive houses. These were going to be man. These mm-hmm. are the houses mm-hmm. you see at the side of golf yeah. courses and in gated communities. This wasn't going to help our density issue. And, and the housing, the, the people that study housing for a living said that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I heard it from people around the province. Like, I know it's it. I think people understood or they felt it, you know, that this wasn't about building affordable housing. This was about building luxury sprawl. And people are really struggling to make ends meet everywhere. Uh, Whether if you're lucky enough to have a home right now, you're struggling to pay the mortgage. Uh, Many, many people can't even find a decent place to rent. So I think that really got to people. and, And it's unfortunate. When Doug Ford walks things back, I've said this to you before, and I'm sure you you and your party talk about it internally. Some people say, ah, you see, there's an accountable politician. There's someone who realizes he made a mistake. He looks dead into our eyes in front of the camera and says he's sorry. Is that something your party has to combat, that, that they have that perception, whether you and I agree with it or not? Yeah, maybe, but I I think this one, from what I, the the response I'm getting out there, I think people uh, see it for what it is because he didn't do anything, he didn't do the right thing until he got caught, not once, not twice, but a series of times in a bunch of corruption scandals, and I think this, uh, you know, this really gets to folks. Um, two ministers resigned. That's unprecedented within a couple of weeks, you know. And I think uh, a friend of mine, I'll just use this, and Mm -hmm. of course, I'm not comparing it to this, but a friend of mine said, you know, if you rob a bank and you return the money, you still broke the law. And I think that is is kind of how a lot of people are feeling right now. If he had done the right thing in the first place, you know, he he acknowledged that he he lied to Ontarians. Uh, he did the wrong thing. But I think if he if he just hadn't done it or if he made the decision to reverse the call sooner, people wouldn't care so much, maybe. But uh, but this one, you know, it's pretty clear it was intentional and why they did it. So it, uh, is there any concern he rises in the polls, any concern the public looks and says, ah, that was somebody who's accountable. I like that guy. Any worry about that when you look at poll? I know there's no election for quite a while, but I know you watch the numbers, too, and you saw that he was lagging and sinking in the polls. I think that people, uh, well, like I was, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks in conservative ridings mm-hmm. in uh, rural and northern uh, Ontario. Uh, and I can tell you, people are really, really done. They're very angry. So I'm not sure this will help. And I think part of that is because I think this is just the beginning. I think we're just scratching the surface. Um, just, I mean, obviously, as I said, I wanted the, the land back in the green belt. Number one aim. Done. Great. Uh, but uh, there's a, a smell, you know, that's sticking to the government. And I don't know that he can shake that off. But you know what? I'm not I'm not really the polls to me. We're two and a half years out. My job is to hold the government to account and to put forward good solutions, ideas, you know, try to get the government to move forward on things that will really help people. What should the relationship be between a politician and a developer? And I ask that because if I feel like a d- developer is almost in this midst is, is almost a dirty word. And you know some people yeah. that work in real estate and I know people that work. I think sure. it's impossible as well. And I bet yeah. you there's 
There's caucus members in all three major parties that accepted contributions from developers because they believe in what that politician stands for and what they mean. Like, like that's not the issue here, is it? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, obviously, we're not going to build the housing we need to build in this province without developers. I, I mean, I totally get that. Um, I would say that what we're talking about here are, are land speculators, for the most part. Uh, I've, I've used that language generally more than developers because I, that's what I think we're talking about here. These are folks that, in my opinion, probably didn't even, many of them didn't even intend to actually build anything. It was just going to, you know, it was land speculation. And, and so I, and I think there is a difference, right? There's a difference between somebody kind of getting a, a check from an individual who, you know, maybe develops a little bit of rental housing in your community. And I, I don't know how many yeah. people do get those, but, and, and somebody who, you know, where ministers are going to Las Vegas with land speculators and members of the premier's inner circle, you know, what are they talking about? You know, there's a, a difference between that and a government obviously tipping off a few, a select few land speculators. There there have been people who've talked about uh, potential perjury charges for uh, the, the MPP that resigned um, the housing minister as well. How far do you want to see this go? The RCMP is still looking into who knew what and when and what the communications were. This clearly isn't over, but I'd make the case we got to get health care back in the news cycle. We got to get education back in the news cycle. This has taken a lot of oxygen for you, for me, for the premier, for everybody. We got issues here. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it, it's actually taken the, the focus away a little bit from, you know, and I think this is what a lot of people are really angry about. You nailed it is is while we're this is going on. The housing isn't getting built. So mm. I think it's really important that we keep moving forward. Absolutely. And we we keep raising other issues. But you're right. There's there's yeah. only so much space. Um, I think, though, that there will continue to be um, some questions. Uh, I think this calls into question a lot of the, the government's other deals. A lot of those other MZOs, you know, those ministerial zoning orders. Uh, also, uh, of course, the Ontario Place decision. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot going on. And I think until the premier actually says, you know, uh, gives us some information, like comes forward with his his I, I'm going to keep pushing for his phone records. I think we need to know what happened to those deleted emails. I yeah. we need to know who tipped off the developers. That's important. But but you can absolutely count on us to continue to raise those other issues because there there really are. Uh, we have a real crisis yeah, in yeah. healthcare and education. NDP leader Marit Stiles, thanks for getting up early. Appreciate your perspective. <laughs> have a good weekend, and I know we'll talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. There's uh, Marit Stiles joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Something this morning happened that was very strange, and I was pulling in to get gas. This has been, uh, I've, had a, I've had a long um I'm in a bit of a rut regarding getting gas because it's the second time I've done it before the show driving in in like the four o'clock hour, like like four fifteen, four twenty. I'm getting gas before I uh, I'm in maybe like like this was about like four or five or so. And I'm pulling into the parking lot after getting coffee and I just need to put like, you know, 25, 30 bucks in. And a guy is passed out on like on the sidewalk but more the driveway of the gas station, more the the entry to the gas station parking lot. This is like an hour and a half ago. And I, if I wasn't careful, I could have hit him, but I saw what it was right away because there was like a green bin. He's transporting some kind of green bin around, but he's passed out. 
And I don't know. It looks like a blanket at first. He's a frail, younger guy. And he's out. And I thought about it. And I thought, how many times now do we do this? That we just move on past. Maybe we've had a scary incident. I had the one outside City Hall uh, the morning after the municipal election. Guy wakes up, starts screaming at me. He is lurching towards me. Never got close than 20 feet, but he's calling me every name in the book because I think I woke him up with my voice. And I don't know whether it's fight or flight. You think two things. Can I take him? Can I outrun him? You just think those things. Can I throw hot coffee on him and, and neutralize him if he's coming at me? But this was a person out. Like they're out. They could be dead. Because you don't, you if you find a place that you go to sleep, if you find you're sleeping on a blanket outside City Hall, if you find um, a corner of an alleyway, if you find you're just on a grassy patch down a main street of a smaller town, or if you're in a tent, I know that that's there by design. I cannot believe that the concept was pass out, look dead, and maybe not be dead, in the, in the parking lot entryway where, where people are just going to swing their cars in and get gas or get a coffee or get something else. And I didn't do anything. I don't know about that. Like, it's, it's not going to, um, I, I'd like to think I won't think about it at 2 o'clock. I had considered calling 911, and I just tapped on the window of the gas, but then I'm pulling away, and then am I on 911 forever? And I, I'm being honest, I have to get here to do, like, I cannot be late and, and go, well, yeah, I'll wait till you get here if you're, if you're the ambulance. I'll wait till you get here if you're the police. I can't wait. I don't have, I, I, if I was, I think I, my mindset's different if I'm on my way home and it's 11 and you would stay if you saw a car accident and be a witness. We, we saw a car hit a wheelchair uh, once and, uh, or, or sorry, it wasn't a wheelchair, it was, was a motorized vehicle. And my wife and I and, and youngest son were headed somewhere to get something down uh, Harwood Avenue in Ajax. And we stopped. And then we're like, oh, God, well, we're there an hour. But it was important that we made sure the person was okay in the, um, in the, car, in the cart. We made sure the driver wasn't too rattled up. And we stayed and gave a statement. We were the only people that saw it. But this was very different this morning. And I bet you I'm not alone in this experience. But I'm telling you. Five years ago, I stop, I, I shake the guy. I'm not doing it now. I'm not doing it now um, because we've all had a moment or two where that has gone badly. Somebody doesn't want to be woken up. If, that, if I touch that guy and, he's, and then all of a sudden a, an officer drives by and sees me, I can't just get in my car and leave a minute later. I got to be here. So I don't know about this one. I'm talking myself into whether or not, like, what's the right thing anymore? You, me, everybody else are seeing people passed out for the day, likely from drug use, likely from some sort of overdose with trank, fentanyl, you name it. And they're out. They're out for the day at 10 a.m. Or they're in a parking lot, passed out. This guy could have been hit by a car. He may have already been hit by a vehicle. And I tapped on the window of the gas station. I'm like, you got to call. And he's like, okay, okay. So I had the, I had the safety valve that this guy, I've, I've passed this on to somebody else. 
It's probably not everything I could have done. Of course it's not. But are we doing everything we can do anymore for anybody that's passed out on the street or passed out on the pavement? I won't dominate the morning with this. I promise. We have so much to do. But if I, I was going to burst if I didn't talk about it because it's fresh. And we can obviously have that conversation that that's somebody's son. That could be somebody's partner. That man could be a parent to somebody else. But he is in a massive struggle right now. People make decisions. and They make choices. And addiction is not necessarily a choice, but there are choices that you utilize along the way. You know it. I know it. But that's in that moment when I'm thinking, okay, I'm five feet away from running over a man who's passed out in a, in a gas station parking lot. I'm five meters away from hitting him. And I'm going slowly. I'm being measured. Nobody wants to get a speeding ticket at that hour. And nobody wants to do the wrong thing and turn in the wrong driveway. And, and you know, you know what I'm saying. But I'm also not able to stick around and make sure this person's okay. Because I now assume, and we now assume, that person's been passed out for a long time. And there ain't going to be any waking them up for a long time as well. I don't know. You tell me via text if you've seen this. I'd be shocked if, if we're not almost universal and unanimous that we see this all the time and we don't know what to do and we're not willing. By the way, would you tell your 17-year-old daughter to wake that guy up and shake him? Would you do that? Bet you wouldn't. Would you tell your 76-year-old dad, dad, wake that guy up, see if he's okay? Bet you wouldn't. Very difficult questions that we face right now. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Bladder cancer is the fifth most common cancer in Canada. It's very common amongst men, but it can afflict women too. There's a way to do something about it. Early detection is one thing, but we can also raise awareness and raise funds. And this weekend, tomorrow specifically, all over the GTA actually, is Canada Walks for Bladder Cancer. It's the 13th annual and you can go to Whitby and do it in Durham. It's in Hamilton as well. But walking in Toronto at Wilkett Creek Park uh, at uh, 9 o'clock, start time 10.30, will be uh, Chorus Entertainment's Troy Reeb. He's the executive VP of Broadcast Networks for Chorus, and he's a bladder cancer survivor, and he joins us right now. Troy, what a great pleasure to have you on and for you to be able to tell your story and, and advocate for something so important. Oh, well, thanks, Greg. I, it's, uh, it is a real pleasure to be here, and it's, it, you know, it's an honor to take part in uh, this walk every year. 640 has been uh, a sponsor and a media partner with the walk for uh, going on about eight years now. And, uh, and if you go back about 12 years, that's when I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. It was a total surprise. Um, you know, I was uh, in my early 40s at the time and uh, had never had had never been a smoker, had never had sort of the risk factors. And so uh, to have them find a bladder tumor was uh, obviously incredibly frightening. And um, but uh, but if it's caught early, the the prognosis can be really, really good. The, the trouble with bladder cancer, you mentioned it's the fifth most common mm-hmm. kind of cancer in Canada, is that it, it comes back so often. And if you don't catch it early, that chance of recurrence gets that much higher, that much higher. And it's possible that people can live with recurring tumors the rest of their lives if they if they can't tackle it really early. Troy, how'd you weigh that emotional struggle with the physical practicalities of what you needed to do and, and how quickly you needed to, to mobilize to get this taken care of? 
Well, fortunately, you know what? There's lots of people will complain, and believe me, there's lots of things to complain about in the Canadian healthcare system. But when you're diagnosed with something serious, this healthcare system does spring into action really, really quickly. And I was fortunate to have fantastic doctor Tony Finelli at uh, Toronto General, um, and uh, you know, I had surgery. Uh, and uh, and and thank goodness it has never come back uh, since. But that's not the case for so many bladder cancer patients. They live with this constant fear, and I lived with this this fear for such a long time that it, you, you know I still go back for regular surveillance to make sure it doesn't come back because it is such a nasty little cancer that um, you know can can recur very often. Um, and that's the fear that a lot of people live with. And that's why it's so important to not only raise awareness, but to raise funds for research. And that's what the that's what the walk tomorrow morning is going to do. You can go to bladdercancercanada.org, find out where your walk is close to you. As we mentioned, the one in Toronto is at uh, is at Wilkett uh, Creek Park on Leslie Street. And it happens tomorrow morning. We're speaking to Troy Reeve on 640 Toronto. Um, men also, I mean, I, I've heard it's a phrase before and I hear it around the house a couple of times a year. Men are the worst um, and we are the worst when it comes to addressing our health, talking about our health and having honest conversations about it. This afflicts men so much more often than it does women, correct? Yeah, it is more. It is certainly more common in men. And you're right that men are less likely to, uh, they're more likely to ignore stuff. I remember um, having a colleague years ago who was talking to me about symptoms of, um, they were very clearly to me, symptoms of something serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and he just like, ah, I'll get it checked out eventually. And, and by the time he did, it was too late. And, and that's why you can't ignore, uh, I, I appreciate people are sipping their coffee right now, but if you have blood in your urine, mm-hmm. even, even the slightest sign of it, you need to get that checked out. Um, because because that is the most common can- sign of, uh, of bladder cancer. It doesn't mean it's bladder cancer, but but it's absolutely something that can't be ignored and it can't be pushed away. And um, and look, bladder cancer uh, affects women um, very much as well. I don't want to suggest that women, um, if they have blood in their urine, should ignore it either. Um, but uh, but it certainly can't be ignored. And the earlier we uh, detect it, the earlier we catch it, the earlier it can be treated and cured. Is there an age um, with bladder cancer? I know, you know, uh, colorectal cancer, who I'm sure we've all lost people from tragically and, and had people battling to this day. There's that magic mark for men, at least of 50 and do this, do that, go get a colonoscopy. Is there a, a, a target age that you look at for bladder cancer and you're like, even even if you think you're not susceptible, even if it doesn't run in your family, if you've got a symptom, you should mention it. Well, it's uh, look like most cancers, it does become more likely with age, but bladder cancer can strike at any age. Uh, you know, I've met a patient who's four years old. Uh, oh. had to have their entire bladder removed um, because of, uh, of bladder cancer and had to have a neobladder constructed. Um, it, it, it's very tragic, and it can strike at any age. And certainly one of the big risk factors is smoking. And, and one of the things we have to say these days, especially to young people, is, you know, a lot of the research points to it's it's those you know, it's, it's not just the compounds that are in the smoke, but it's actually the smoke. Mm. It's the particulates pulling that into your body. And cannabis is just as much when you're pulling smoke into your body as tobacco ever was. So it's not like risks from this stuff ever go away. And young people have to be mindful of, of uh, habits that they take on that could potentially contribute to this. You can go to bladdercancercanada.org. It's the 13th annual Canada Walks for Bladder Cancer. And we want you to participate. And if you can't walk, support someone else who's doing so. You can go to that website and find out about those walks in Toronto, in Durham, Hamilton, London, all over Southern Ontario. Troy, what a great pleasure to have you on. And I know you've got Alan Carter there tomorrow. That guy can work a crowd in person. He can't.
It's so great to have Alan come out. Um, he is such a community supporter uh, from Global News, and, um, and it'll be great to have him there uh, helping to support everything that's going on. So uh, thank you, Alan. Thank you, 640, for, uh, for all the support. And thank you to everyone who's listening um, who can either show up and uh, walk along with us or just go to uh, bladdercancercanada.org and um, maybe send us a little bit of money. And we got a brilliant sunny day for you to do it as well, Troy. Thank you so much for this. We appreciate the time. Uh, thank you, Greg. Troy Reeb, Executive VP, Broadcast Networks for Chorus Entertainment. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. All right, we're happy to welcome in the former minister, the federal minister of environment and climate change. Uh, and she's weighed in on Ontario politics in the last few months, and we'll get to that. She is Catherine McKenna. It's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for making the time. Uh, great to be on the show, Greg. When Doug Ford did that yesterday, um, some people called it inevitable. Uh, some people breathed a sigh of relief. How did you react? I was like, wait, we heard this before. <laughs> he actually, I mean, it's it's very familiar because a uh, number of years ago, he was forced by the public uh, to go back and say, I will never develop the green belt. So here we are again. Um, look, I mean, I, I just tweeted out, I was in New York for climate week, uh, working on climate change globally, but this is not unrelated. Obviously, protecting green space, protecting land is good for the planet, but it's also really good for people. And this was a clear victory for people. And it's of all political stripes, whether you're a conservative or a liberal or you don't pay much attention to politics. I mean, people were not happy. I'm originally from Hamilton, the hammer. And mm -hmm. uh, you don't get to give $8 billion gifts to your buddies, especially with like envelopes being passed. And we now have some of the story. Um, we may get more because there's still criminal and potential criminal investigations. But people were really angry, um, whether you were a farmer or you were an environmentalist or you're just someone who doesn't like politicians doing, you know, things that look very corrupt. Um, it, you know, they I think they spoke and Doug Ford in the end had to back down. I mean, it's always interesting to see politicians, their excuses for doing things. He said he worked too fast, but he had the best of intentions. I don't think anything demonstrates that. I think he just felt it was very bad for him politically with two minister resigning, with staffers resigning, with yeah. like weird trips to Vegas and massages, like the story was getting out of control. Um, but I think it is really important because it does show that there is, you know, that ultimately there will be accountability from people. Um, and this isn't even in an election. I'm sure he's just looking at polling and yeah. showing the situation. But look, it's a win. It's a clear win, um, win for people um, and also win for a very important space that is good for farmers and our food. It's good for you know, natural for nature and protecting things, but also good for people who like to yeah. get out in the green. Well, there, I'm glad you brought that up. There's two issues, I think, to most people. There's the environment, there's protected lands, there's parks, wildlife, fish, and then there's building density. And I, I, I think we'd agree the premier's under more pressure. You mentioned being from Hamilton. He's under more pressure to build than Mike Harris, Bob Ray, Dalton McGinty combined. There's a massive pressure there in those circumstances. Um, so, But I think the public would have more of an appetite, Catherine, for understanding if these were high rises and multiplexes. We know what this would have been. Huge houses for wealthy people. And yeah. people can be wealthy and that's fine. And they can buy a huge house. But this was protected land and it wasn't meant for them. Yeah, I mean, also, it was like developers making oodles of money that they didn't deserve. So, I mean, look, we have to build, we have to build. Like, we are in a housing crisis. I think people are really understand this because they just can't, young people in particular, but also people cannot afford to buy homes. It's it, it's bonkers. 
And we've got to do that. But we all know that's not what this was about. Um, it was actually, as you say, just building big homes, making developers even richer. And the reality is we need to get to work and build homes like in downtown cores. Um, it, even if you look at the numbers, I'm always like, just look at the, the cost. Um, the cost of servicing these areas where they have no services, where they have no transportation, they have no sewage yeah. system, like, doesn't make any sense. And that would fall again on municipalities, which is why many municipalities were so upset but look, as I say, this is a this is a good decision. Um, it took a really long time. Um, it's the second time, you know, Doug Ford has had to say, "Well, I will never develop on the green belt." I do think that I've I've heard from politicians, um, NDP, but I, I think supported by liberals that you know we need yeah. to protect the green belt in legislation because I, I don't know we heard this before he wasn't going to develop it and then he kind of was like, "Well, actually, I kind of want to develop now and I've got another argument I'll try." Um, which failed. But I think, you know, a lot of work was it was put into protecting these very important lands. Um, and that doesn't take anything away from the need to can build houses as as quickly as possible. But as yeah. you say, houses for, you know, m like multiplexes and, uh, you know, buildings yeah. to intensify near downtown cores, near public transit that we're investing huge amounts in. It's uh, Yeah, Catherine McKenna is our guest on Toronto today on 640 Toronto. I know you've weighed in on the race for Ontario Liberal leader um, and the Liberals are, are pushing hard on these Greenbelt issues. One has 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 at least opened the door to maybe redeveloping and she's walked that back. But why was it important for you to weigh in on this race? Who are you endorsing? Well, why was it important? Because some people don't step forward. You've been out of politics a few years and you're enjoying life as, as a more private citizen, somewhat more private. But you want to weigh in on this one and I want to know why. Um, look, I just like good things to happen and we need good people to stand up in politics and do real things. And so I'm supporting Nate Erskine Smith. I, he was in parliament with me. Um, he didn't always toe the party line, which I also think is important. I think that, you know, there's a lot of focus on are the people left or right? Like, I don't think regular people give a damn. Regular people want people who are actually going to improve their lives, whether it's building housing, whether it's standing up for the green space, whether it's focused on creating good jobs, or whether it's focused on tackling climate change, which has huge economic costs. We've seen it across the country. I was in New York. They're like, wow, the biggest export from Canada is now smoke. I mean, that's not a good thing. Um, but Nate has always been very vocal, including about um, the green belt. And I mean, unfortunately, Bonnie Crosby, like, what well, actually really got upset when she was really dodgy on the question of the green belt. I was like, you know what? In politics, it is important that you were clear. That it is clear what you stand for, um, and that you stand for real things. Like I know it's sometimes easy to say, "Oh, I'm going to kind of fudge this issue," <laughs> so it's not exactly clear because I might get blowback from either side. No, that's not what people want. That's not leadership. And Nate has been a real leader. And and look on climate change, which is what I have left politics to work on, as well as my three teens. But um, I uh, I think we need it's as much as an economic issue as it is an environmental issue. And we need to we need to figure out the future with good jobs, attracting investment. We're in a fight. I spent a lot of time working in the U.S. Yeah. The Inflation Reduction Act is sucking up a lot of capital. We have to get the investment here. We have to get the jobs. And of course, we have to be serious in tackling climate change. And Nate has by far the most ambitious climate plan, but it's also the one that's going to build our a clean economy, create more jobs and do things like link um, climate to housing. We can be mm. far more energy efficient 
um, and build housing around transit, which makes sense for people, which is good for the environment, but also good for people's lives. It's probably not a minute long answer. It's a half hour conversation. And uh, and you and I might go back and forth on it a bit. But I want to ask you about nuclear power. Everybody I speak to, everybody I look at says not that it's a middle ground between, you know, coal and fossil fuels and wind and solar. But a lot of people look at it and say it is one. of It's got a small carbon footprint. It could bridge some gaps here as we develop towards a, a, a green energy uh, concept. Are there negatives about it that are just too amplified to me? To me, there are. What do you see about it? Uh, look, I mean, we're lucky that we have nuclear in Ontario because it means that we're we're pretty clean in terms of our our grid. Unfortunately, Doug Ford is talking about more gas, which is more expensive, and it also is, is obviously polluting. Um, nuclear is very expensive. So I yeah. am literally just a, a person. I'm a mom. Got to watch every dollar. The reality is, I mean, building new nuclear when you have a price of renewables that has gone down like 80% for solar, wind. I mean, there are other solutions, but we, we have nuclear here. It's been good to us. I know they're working on extending a life. They're looking at small modular reactors. I don't have a problem with that. I think you always need to, if you're a politician, look at taxpayer dollars. That's not your money. That's the money of those you represent. Mm. But I mean, look, I'm focused on how do you reduce emissions? That's critically important. And how do you do it in a way that is good for the economy and good for jobs? And I think those always have to be weighed in. But I mean, yeah. nuclear is not emitting. So it has to be and it is in, in Ontario right now, part of the energy mix that we have that is, you know, making us a very attractive investment destination, quite frankly, folks yeah. want to move here. Because we have cl largely clean power, but we can't backtrack. Another thing Doug Ford is doing, backtracking. And I want to say one thing, because we haven't won the battle when it comes to green space yet. The Thermae Spa is absurd. It's an absurdity from both <laughs> an economic perspective, but it's an absurdity from a space that was, I remember going to uh, Ontario Place when I was a kid. It should be open to everyone, not some bonker spa for rich people. Like that is the opposite of what we need to be doing. I don't love the spa. I need. I think we need a balance. I think we need a private public balance. Like Navy Pier in Chicago to me, I keep referencing it. It's exactly that. So there's a Ferris wheel. So there's a few restaurants. I, I, I don't think we can leave it unfiltered without a private public mix. But to your point, I'm not sure about the spa's appeal and I'm not sure about the way in which it, it it's been just again. We don't, even know the, we don't even know the details. Like once again, what is going on? You don't get to be a politician and hide the facts. I have views. I'm sorry, Greg. I have views. <laughs> I hear you. Catherine McKenna, thanks for coming on the show. Please come on more often. I know you don't do it very often, but uh, but thank I'm you for the time. To, I'm happy to join you. Thanks. You, thanks so much. You.